Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth. Since 1868, member FDIC. Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest on the WIBC hotline. Would we want a fair, down-the-middle opinion on something? The first person we call is Dr. Laura Wilson. Professor. I believe the word you're looking for is objective. Objective. Professor of political science at the University of Indianapolis. Doctor, how are you? I'm doing well, and I love that introduction. Thank you for the compliment. (laughs) All right, so let's start with whatever that was last night at the Reagan Library, that debate. I think most people know where Nigel and I stand on this now. I thought that was a train wreck, not only from the commentary, but I thought the moderators were bad. I thought the lighting was bad. I thought the audio production was a Mickey Mouse production. The whole thing, I thought, was rotten, Doctor. Um, I'm curious as to what you think. Yeah, I don't think it was the best debate we've seen. Uh, that might be an understatement. I, I'm not sure I'm quite as critical there. Uh but I do think there were some some obvious blunders and challenges. And first and foremost is the fact that the person who is leading for the likely Republican primary voters, right, Donald Trump as a candidate, was not present. So that was going to make it hard, I think, in the first place. There were several weird twists and turns. If you remember in the first debate, we got that question about aliens. This one had yeah. the, the weird moment about, like, uh, sleeping with a teacher. Uh, that, those kind of comments there. Yeah. Um, I, I think there, there was a lack of polish, right? And it's a primary debate. I don't think it necessarily detracted from the points the candidates were trying to make. Um, but it, it, certainly production-wise, I don't think it would be anyone's top favorite. Um, and even in terms of moderation, there are probably a lot of things that, if it was going to be a general election, those would need to be taken care of. That would need to be improved significantly um, to get that wider audience, certainly. Did, did anybody benefit from the besides Donald Trump, did anybody on that <laughs> stage benefit from what we saw last night in any way, shape, or form in terms of getting their messaging across? I I do think Christie benefited, and in part really? because. I, I think so. He got to get his jabs in there um, in, in terms of at Ramaswamy. He has all these lines against Donald Trump, uh, the Donald Duck line, especially for uh, listeners who are really paying attention when he said, oh, you're not going to be here. We're going to say you're ducking the debate. I mean, is it cringy? Yes. But I, I think for Christie, that's the angle. And because because Trump wasn't there and because he got a little bit more playtime with having only seven candidates on stage, I, I thought he actually – had his best moment. I don't think it's a moment that's going to make it to the primary. I don't think he is going to be the candidate, in my opinion, just from where he is right now. But I thought he was able to capitalize. Um, I think Ram Swamy had another good debate uh, for him. I, I thought he won the first debate, certainly in terms of time and obviously being the person targeted. And, and that was similar to a, maybe a slightly different angle here. DeSantis did better. Um, Haley still did well. I, I think the problem is any one of them could be 
better than they had been and they can improve, but you're talking about single digit for the most part. DeSantis is a little bit higher up, but really small increments in the polling. You're, they're not leading like Donald Trump is. So even hitting it out uh, in a home run victory for that debate is only going to move them reasonably. A couple of single um, points in the poll. It's not going to be a huge wave just yet. Doctor, you've moderated debates before, so you know what it's like. I thought last night, in addition to the candidates talking over each other, the moderators were talking over and yelling at each other. And Dana Perino, who most of the night, I thought she did a really good job. She had she was basically the only one that could keep control of this chaos that was going on. But then at the end, that really cringy survivor-like question, who yeah. would you vote off the island? Man, that kind of took away from just, I thought, her having a solid night, but that ending was so bad. What did you think of the moderators? Well, I think that's a really good point. And I, I mentioned the Donald Duck comment and then the ailing comment in the previous debate. Yes, the the Survivor Island question was another cringeworthy moment. I, I think in general, it's hard to keep track of, of so many candidates. And I agree, I thought Perino, for the most part, did a fairly good job on that. But you also, the moderate, have to be really careful, and it's very difficult, but it, you really have to be careful that you are not the focus, that you are not the person talking the whole time. You're giving the candidates the opportunity uh, to have that platform. And that's one of the things where I thought, especially by the end of the night, like, there are points of candidates getting cut off. And, of course, candidates will cut other candidates off. That's the name of the game. It's an election. They're trying to win. But, but as a moderator, you're supposed to cultivate the environment uh, where you're holding the candidates accountable. You're keeping them on task with the question. right? But then you get out of the way because you are not up for election. You are not trying to win. You are giving them the platform and allowing them to to speak uh, to their voting audience. Should they have made some sort of time for everyone to have a closing statement? Because not everybody got one last night. And I thought that was a very bizarre ending. I, I think that was a horrible decision not to do that. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because part of getting that closing statement as a candidate is that last opportunity right, uh, to reemphasize whatever your strong points were, your thesis statement, if you will, um, to wrap up like what you want voters to leave with. And I will say not knowing that was going to be the kind of the organization going into it. But the time it was over, I was waiting and I realized that's not we weren't going to hear from every single candidate because they didn't have that opportunity. So there's there's different opinions on opening and closing statements. Yes, they come pre-prepared by the candidate. They know they get it. But to me, that's your pitch to the audience. And it still it makes it right for criticism. I, I think it's nice to have that. And not having that means some candidates just lost out. Dr. Laura Wilson here in the Hammer and Nigel show. How do these candidates, like, how do they prep? It just seems, in terms of the format, uh, just uh, adapting to that just frantic, you've got 20 seconds for rebuttal, you've got 30 seconds here, then you, as you mentioned just a minute ago, you're getting cut off by other candidates. What, like, you've prepped for debates before, uh, you've given advice, what kind of uh, guidance are these candidates getting? Well, they, they prep a whole lot. Uh, part of it is making sure you stick to your message and you know, and I think this is what's so amazing. Most candidates, especially at this level, are very good. So even if you don't like them, you at least have to give them credit for this. But knowing if you get 20 seconds in your mind, that is a timer, just like on your your iPhone, where you know 19, 18, 17, 16. And, and granted, of course, the moderator will cut you off once you've hit that 20-second mark anyway. But they also have to think not just their own talking points, but where are they going to be attacked and where are their opportunities for attack 
if you've got seven people on that stage, right, you're prepping your candidate. You're saying, hey, these are our talking points. We know this person's probably going to attack here. So this is your counterattack. We also think that this candidate over here is going to talk about uh, this topic. They're vulnerable here. This is what we're going to say. And even though you don't know the questions in advance and you don't know what everyone's going to say, um, reasonably we kind of do, right? We have right. a good sense of, of what those things are going to look like. So you can do a tremendous amount of preparation. And then my personal favorite is always watching a debate and you can tell where someone misplaces something because, gosh darn it, their campaign worked on it. It was a line they had <laughs> prepped. They didn't want to waste it. They wanted to use it. And you just look at it. You're like, oh, no, that was the wrong spot. You didn't get the opportunity thought, but you just couldn't waste it and let it go. Um, watching those moments, too, quite frankly. I love because they're scripted, unscripted. Um, but but it is. It's a tremendous amount of work and preparation that goes into making it essentially look uh, effortless, even though there's a lot of effort. So while that was happening in California, Donald Trump was in Michigan speaking to the UAW auto workers. I mean, there were more folks in that crowd, but that was the whole rationale of that speech, trying to reach out to some of these folks that probably vote Democrat an awful lot if they're union workers, but right now things aren't going really well. Were you okay with Donald Trump skipping that debate to try to reach some key voters in a swing state? You know, it's a risk, and I think this one had a lot more at stake, quite frankly, than missing the first debate. That made sense. That felt like a a well-thought-through strategy. I I think this is risky. I don't think it's not strategy, Um, but but to make this decision, you're right. He was going after voters who don't always uh, typically vote Democrat. They don't usually support a Republican candidate. I think this is an opportunity that he sees. And if you remember back in 2016 with the blue wall, like that was an, that was an opportunity Trump uh, saw that nobody else did. And he was able to take advantage of. So perhaps he's looking at that from from that perspective and saying, this is a better place for my time. I do think he's advantaged in that regard, at least trying for it. And quite frankly, he's leading so much in all the polls, right? He's the only one who has anything to lose at these. Everybody else in the debate, it is all out Hail Mary, right? You, you're pithy points right now. So it, he's the one that is the front runner and has something to lose right now. I'm just saying. Now, I, I do think as we look into future debates and things that we're going to be expecting, he, he can't wait out forever. I do think he can wait out for quite some time. And I think the statement that he made afterwards um, saying that no one on that stage is going to be his running mate is a really bold uh, power move, but a statement, quite frankly, nobody else but him could make uh, in this position. And I think it you know, fuels the fires of those Christy Nome rumors that are out there. Because if you watch the debate, she's running commercials for her state. She's the spokeswoman of her state. A lot of chatter about Christy Nome. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I thought it was amazing when you have that, you talk about spokesperson for the state. You watch some of those ads and you're like, wait a second, is this what the the state, are we talking about Dakotas or are we talking about, um, you know, Governor Nome herself? I I think there's uh, the fact that it leaves it in such ambiguous terms would put a path forward there um, that we could see in the in the upcoming months. Dr. Laura Wilson, professor of political science at the University of Indianapolis. Doctor, we always love it when you come on the show. You give us an objective view down the middle. God bless you for that, and we appreciate your time. Oh, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show.